live in earthly tents, also called our bodies. They're portable, yes, but they're not indestructible, are they? Our tents, our houses, even our churches are all temporary. There is no forever home this side of heaven. But in our Bible text today, the Apostle John reminds us that as we are traveling through this life on our way to a heavenly dwelling, that we have something to look forward to. It is good to be here, but here is not where we're going, is it? And so we hike and we camp our way through this life with the prayer that God will lead us to something better. We abide with God here for now in these earthly tents of ours, but one day we will dwell there in the house not made with hands, God's eternal tent in the sky. Well, we've been working our way through the first letter of John. And as we do, we've been focusing on the holy community of Christ, the church, that is connected by that special word koinonia. We often translate that as fellowship, the fellowship of God's people. So far, we've been reminded that we can only find fellowship in Christ Jesus. We also learned that there are many forms of counterfeit fellowship out there in the world that can sidetrack us, that can take us where we don't need to go. And so true, pure fellowship must remain our goal. And today, we want to focus on the importance of remaining, abiding in fellowship, John loves this word remain or abide. To remain means to, to live with, to dwell with, to not leave. And it's, it's a reference back to those ancient Hebrew people who physically lived in and dwelled in and abided in and remained in tents. But for John, to abide or to remain in Jesus takes on a deep spiritual significance. He uses this word 43 times in his gospel and his three letters. And in our text today, in 1 John chapter 2, where we're going to be in just a moment, he uses this word at least six times. This encouragement to remain or abide in Jesus is a wonderful word. But it's been frequently misunderstood as, that, as if it were some sort of a, a special, mystical, indefinable experience. But John wants to make it clear that to abide or to remain in fellowship means to be in connection to Jesus. And that means that there are some very clear realities for us. And so I want to spend a few minutes together looking at these together. I don't want you to think of these as three successive steps. So often we like steps, don't we? Step one, step two, step three. These aren't steps. These, uh, I want you to think of them as like an interwoven, uh, like, like, a, like a tapestry. It's an interwoven aspect of abiding or remaining in fellowship with our Lord. And we need all of these. Each of these three things we're going to look at this morning includes a choice or a decision for us to make and then a result that we are called to enjoy. 
And so let's look at these together. First, if I'm to remain in fellowship with Christ, I will follow completely. Follow completely. Let's take a look at verses three through six of our text in chapter two of 1 John. John says, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. But whoever follows his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says that he remains in him, himself also ought to walk as he walked. Now, one of the characteristics of John's writing style is that he often makes one point and then he states the concept in a negative form. For example, as we come to know him, we obey his commandments. And then if we don't obey his commandments, John says, we're liars. That's kind of the negative aspect. Get that? You know, last week we talked about how God is light and in him there is no darkness. That's the negative aspect. And here in our passage, John sees our being in him and remaining in him as the same thing. So if we live in him, we will walk as Jesus walked. Well, what does that mean? Jesus left us an example that we should walk in his steps. Walking as Jesus walked, however, doesn't refer to some ritualistic religion. It is more than just simply living a form of religion. It means truly walking in an unselfish, God-centered way in all that we do in our life. You see, Jesus was not interested in mere ritual and form. His culture, the Jewish people at that time, they were so invested in ritual, in form. And Jesus came along to show us that he was interested in our lives being godlike in all that we do. A while back, somebody pointed out to me that, uh, you know, they said, have you noticed how people who've been married a long time, uh, they start looking alike? And I thought, I don't know about that. And they said, yeah, they, they start having the same kind of expressions on their faces. They, they actually uh, have the same kinds of physical characteristics. They even finish one another's sentences. Well, I thought about that, and then I started looking around, and I, you know, that, that's really true, isn't it? Have you ever considered why that happens? Well, it's because people that have abided together, remained with one another, they begin to resemble, to be like one another. And it's the same way when we abide with Christ. As we spend time with Jesus, we become more Christ-like. We begin to take on the characteristics of Christ as we abide in him, as we spend time with him, as we remain in him. Remain is both a call and a command. In order to stay in relationship with God, we must choose to live as Christ lived. 
Now, John lists what that means. It means obeying his commands and loving one another and remaining faithful to the truth of the gospel and refraining from the evil ways of this world. And so as we consistently make these choices to follow in Jesus' footsteps, we remain. And we begin then to see results. And let's just take a look at that result in verse 5. But whoever follows his word, in him the love of God has been truly perfected. And so as we follow Jesus, God's love in us grows more and more, bringing about this perfection. Now that doesn't mean that we're perfect or that we become perfect, but think of it this way, that his perfect love fills us. That is the result of following and remaining in Jesus. And so, the more that we follow Jesus, the more then that we will grow in his greatest attribute. And that's the second of these interwoven aspects of abiding or remaining in fellowship with our Lord. The second aspect, to love deeply. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. The one who says that he is in the light and yet hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother and sister remains in the light and there is nothing in him to cause stumbling. Well, here's yet another example of John's style of stating a fact and then giving the opposite. In verse 9, John expresses the negative idea of, of hating a brother or sister. And when we do that, he says, we're, we are in darkness. We, we remain. We abide in darkness. That's not a good place to be. But then in verse 10, he reminds us that whoever loves the brethren remains in the light, abides in the light. Failing to live in the light places us in the darkness. And that's when we stumble, isn't it? What a great analogy. How many of us have tried to, to walk in the darkness of night? Maybe you get up out of bed to make your way to the bathroom and then you stub your toe. I've done that so many times. The furniture has never moved. It's been in the same place in our bedroom for the last 20 years. And yet, how many times have I stubbed my toe in the dark, stumbling? But the one who lives in the light, they have no reason to stumble because the light shows him the way. And so when we remain or we abide in the light of Christ's deep, deep love, we can see by the direction of Jesus how to walk without stumbling. In western Colorado, there's a small stretch of road called the Million Dollar Highway. And most people assume that it got its name because it was very expensive to build. Well, that's not correct. Although it probably was expensive to build because it runs through some, some very difficult terrain at a very high altitude. But the real reason it's called the Million Dollar Highway is because waste material from the ore in the surrounding gold mines was used as the bed of the highway. And not all of the gold dust and nuggets were removed in that old-fashioned mining process that was available at the time. 
And so as a result, there is a roadbed of gold buried beneath tons of asphalt and concrete that is probably worth a lot more than a million dollars. You see, it isn't the cost that gave it its name, but rather what's inside it. And that is true for the love of Christ that we are called to live out. Yes, it is costly, but what gives us its name is what it is made of. The love of Christ is made up of God himself. God is love. And so as we learn and practice loving others deeply with the love of Christ, as we remain in his love, as we live out his love, we begin to see results. And they are not small results, but huge and costly, valuable results, million-dollar results. John lists some of these in verses 12 through 14. Look at this passage. He says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you. Is that costly? Is that valuable? I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. How valuable is it to know the creator of this world? I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. What a blessing. What a value in our life to know that because of Christ, we have overcome the evil one. I've written to you, children, because you know the Father. Think about a child calling out to daddy. We know the Father. I've written to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I've written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God remains in you and you have overcome the evil one. And so in these six references to little children and to fathers and to young men, and and by the way, by implication to the opposite sex as well, John is using these enduring words, endearing words, words of love to show his love for them. John wants us to see that no matter what our stage of spiritual development, when we love deeply, we experience great blessing, valuable blessing, million-dollar blessing. Our sins have been forgiven. By the way, that's in the past tense. Do you understand that when your sins are forgiven, when you are washed by the blood of the Lamb, when you are buried in the watery grave of baptism and raised to walk in newness of life, your sins have been forgiven. And that is your sins in the past and in the present and yes, even into the future. Jesus did that because he loves us. And so we love one another. We know him who has been from the beginning. To know reflects deep intimacy The more that we love deeply, the more that we know the creator of love, the more that we know our heavenly father. And we even receive strength when we love deeply. The strength to overcome the evil one. And by the way, again, in the past tense, you have overcome. You know what that means? We have already won. John wants to remind us of that. 
that we are on the winning team. To remain in fellowship with Christ means that I will follow him completely. I will love him deeply. And then finally, the third of these interwoven aspects of abiding or remaining in fellowship with our Lord, I will listen carefully. Listen carefully. Let's drop down to verse 24 in chapter 2 here. John says, as for you, you see... See, excuse me, as for you, see that what you heard from the beginning remains in you, abides in you. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. Now, like these early Christians that John first wrote to, we live in a world swirling with ideas and opinions and positions and preferences. And most of them are not from God. And sometimes we can be frustrated and overwhelmed and confused. And in such time of spiritual frustration, it is important, it is vital for Christ followers to have an anchor. And so John urges us to remain in the things that we heard from the beginning. What are those things? Well, it is the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. We must listen carefully. Even though we live in a modern world, we are called to remain faithful to what was taught in the beginning. Rather than chase after new fads and innovations and ideas and doctrines. You see, the ancient and pure gospel is what belongs to us. It is what saves us. It is what guides us. It is our anchor. And as we hold on to that, we see the result. And the result, he says, is you will remain, abide, live in the Son and in the Father. I want you to picture something with me for a moment. Picture a dinner plate. You've had the meal. The meal is finished. But rather than wash or rinse off that plate, you leave it out on the counter overnight. By the next morning, you come out, and it's a crusty, gross mess sitting there. Now, what can you do? Well, you can get out the scrub brush or... You can soak that dish in hot water and maybe a little dishwashing liquid. You see, letting the dish abide in the solution, remain in the solution, will allow a hard cleaning job to become a whole lot easier. And you see, this is what abiding or remaining does for us. We are much easier to clean up when we've been hanging out in the right environment. Religion says, scrape off the dirt. Use some elbow grease and fix that problem. But relationship says, soak. Just remain in the warm water for a while. Abiding will set us free. And so as we listen carefully, Abiding in his word, soaking in his truth, it all begins to seep into us. 
to penetrate that hard crust that this world causes us to take on at times. And the longer that this goes on, this process of abiding and remaining, the more that the realities and the truths of Jesus will soften us and comfort us and cleanse us, providing these powerful results. Verse 25 first. This is the promise he made himself to us. What is that promise? Eternal life. That is the result of abiding. Verse 26, these things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. And as for you, the anointing which you receive from him remains in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you remain in him. You see, in John's church in the first century, false teachers were coming in. We mentioned them a few weeks ago, the Gnostics. And they were saying, oh, you don't know enough. You've not learned enough. We've got some more secret information, some hidden information, some new information that you need. And John says, no, when you abide in Jesus, the anointing that you've received, that's the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit comes into the life of the believer and it provides everything we need. We don't need anything new. We don't need anything different. We just need to abide in what God has already provided. And then the next path, verse. Now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not draw back from him in shame at his coming. You see, that is the result of remaining in him. When Jesus comes again, there will be no shame for us. There will be no fear because we are his children. We've been anointed by his Holy Spirit. We have received the promise of eternal life and so there will only be joy and hope and gladness. The shame will be reserved for those that have rejected Jesus, that refuse to follow his ways. The shame will be there for those that have made up their own ways. Well, I know what God's word says, but here's what I think. That's a shameful statement. May we know the truth and may we live by the truth my prayer for each of us listening carefully today is that these promises, eternal life, the anointing of God's Holy Spirit, the confident expectation of his coming in, my prayer is that those will be real for you. Not some esoteric religious words or concepts that the preacher made up, but real, true, and fulfilling fellowship with our Heavenly Father. May that be true for you as you remain in fellowship with Him and with His family, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God,